Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. All right, good to see you guys this morning. So we are, um, we're very, very excited because our dear, dear, dear friends and, uh, and really partners in kingdom building are back from the mission field. Uh, the Barth family, Jonathan and Lexi and Gigi and Novali and Lucy and Rafferty, uh, are back from amazing, whoop, there goes some communion, uh, amazing travels uh, worldwide, and um, so lots of you guys know them. If you know them, you love them, uh, but some of you don't know them, so they'll they'll kind of do more uh, introducing of themselves, but um, we just ask that they would come. They, they are um, back from missions, uh, international missions, and they're going to be heading back out again, and so they're going to tell you all about what they've been doing and what they feel like God is calling them to do in the future, and we are their home church, we are their family, and so we wanted to just love on them and give them a chance to share, so um, I'm going to have you guys come up. All right, good morning, everyone. It's so exciting to be here back home at Thrive. So as Kevin said, you know, we've been part of Thrive for some time, uh, going on eight years now, uh, where my wife, uh, Lexi, has been on the children's uh, pastor team. She was a children's pastor for four, uh, five years. I was the youth pastor for four years, which, you know, in church ministry, that can be quite a long time. So we, we've been just so happy to run with Kevin and Molly and, and the team here, of course. It's been incredible. So it's great to see new faces. We've been meeting with good friends this week and really getting to spend such a special time here back in the States. So we're so glad to be back and share what God's been doing in the nations. It's just really, really exciting times. And uh, we have a little video for you to give you a little bit of a backstory before we get into some of the testimonies and good stuff. Okay. So if you got the video, let's roll it. Hi, we're the Barths, and we followed God's call in 2022 to sell our home and belongings to step into missions full time. We gave our yes to God and have been amazed at the mighty ways God has moved. We have been doing ministry in Albania, and we will move there long term this summer. The harvest is incredible. People are longing for the truth, and hearts are open and waiting to hear about the love, forgiveness, and hope to be found in Jesus. We have seen so much fruit sharing the gospel, building relationships, and coming alongside people in discipleship. We have seen salvations, healings, and Holy Spirit encounters. People are being encouraged in their original design given by God and discipled in their faith to walk with Jesus. We are honored to be partnering with God in expanding the kingdom. You can join us by covering our family in prayer and financially supporting us. Everything sowed in the kingdom will reap reward in heaven, and we get to share in that together. To the ends of the earth, for love. Yes, thanks. So, yes, we've been doing ministry in Albania, and our plan is to um, move back there long term with Youth with a Mission. There's a team there in Tirana, and so we've been invited to join them. And so we're just going to share some things about... um, what God's been doing in our hearts and some testimonies this morning. So Gigi's going to go first. So there's this community called the Roma that is in real poverty that our team had gone to visit every Thursday, which was really fun. And we had played with them, and they had been growing up just stealing 
and lying and cheating everybody. And they were all really angry with each other. So we had friends who would go and just teach them about Jesus and go above them and just try to be like parents to them. And they had really just made me really happy to be with them. And I just really out with them and I can't wait to go back to minister to them. God had really softened and compassioned my heart towards them, which was fun. Um, so there was these worship nights that we would do, um, and uh, I saw everyone. <laughs> I didn't really dance when there was worship, and I saw everyone raising their hands. So that was the first time I raised my hands, and um, I was uh, full, filled up with joy. And the next day, I started dancing through worship. Thank you. Yeah, so they, um, I asked what they wanted to share, and those, they came up with those kind of themselves. So that was really exciting just to hear um, how God has been working just in our whole family. Um, and so just to give you guys a little idea of what ministry looked like a little bit, we were um, with um, a team. It was two families, and they were running a ministry in Albania, and it was a lot of discipleship ministry. So it was in the university city, and we would just really come alongside a lot of the students and do discipleship and just community building and just would like pour in um, to the students. And so it was really neat just to be able to come alongside um, what they were already doing and just really walk in discipleship. So we would meet people for coffee or um, Bible study. So the ministry that they were doing, they would do Bible study once a week. They would do a social night just to hang out. They um, ran an alpha course while we were there. And then they would do like a Sunday night, like service type thing. So it was just really neat. Um, and so as we were kind of doing ministry, I, um, the kids and I couldn't be at everything, especially some of the later night things. So we would stay back and God really started just inviting me into a season of intercession. And so, um, it was just really neat to say yes to God and just kind of this small obedience of, okay, like we can't necessarily go to the meeting tonight or be there. So I'm just going to put on worship music with the kids and we're just going to really just intercede and pray and kind of just still go about our business, make dinner and stuff, but, um, really just have that focus of intercession and, it was just really amazing to see God move as we just started praying for just ministry nights and things that we couldn't necessarily always be there in person. And so the team would come back or Jonathan would come back and just have such great testimonies of, wow, like the Holy Spirit totally showed up and people were being, you know, were encountered with God and um, people were giving their lives to Jesus. And so it was just really encouraging for us to and just intercession. And so God was really moving um, my heart in this season towards intercession and just really sweet, um, sweet ways. And so there was one day in particular, pretty early on when we were there, um, and Jonathan's going to give more details on exactly kind of what happened, but there was a young man that he was meeting and um, we were praying at home, the girls and 
and I and really just asking God to bless their conversation and just open up doors and just really show up and um, have favor on Jonathan as he just kind of met with him and that, you know, we still had a lot of time left in Albania. So we were like, just praying that like they'd have just, um, yeah, a connection to where he could just build this relationship and possibly meet again and invite him to come into the ministry that we were serving at and just all those things. And, um, so yeah, so we were just home praying and then we get a message that Jonathan was like, he gave his life to Jesus. And so we were like, yay, we were so excited. And obviously like we're, um, just celebrating that, but also it was really neat to be able to have conversations with my kids as far as like, you know, They've also given up things and sacrificed things with um, the yes that we did give to God. You know, it was a big yes. We sold our home and we went into the mission field and they gave up, you know, some of their, you know, going doing sports or being with friends or having their own space and toys and books and all sorts of things. And to be able to look at them and show them like this guy that we just met, like, because your sacrifice too, like our whole family, not just dad and I, but all of us together and partnering with our prayers that we're interceding, like he said yes. And now whatever's happening in his life, if he, you know, is full of fear, like he can trade that in for the peace of God. If he's full of anxiety or anger, like he can now, he has access to the joy that Jesus brings into his life. And, you know, and I think just connecting the dots for them, it was really neat. And so it really got us fired up. The team too, in general, we did prayer and worship every day was a huge focus of ours. And pretty early on, we, you know, really felt like God was like, pray for people by name. Um, and so so we'd start praying for somebody by name of like, we really want to see them give their life to Jesus while we're here. And like that week or the next week, they'd give their life to Jesus. And so we'd be like, okay, who's next? And we'd like, God would put somebody else on our heart and we'd just start praying for somebody else that, you know, somebody that we had been building relationships with. And God just totally showed up and poured out his Holy Spirit. And um, people in the 10 weeks we were there, we saw, you know, 10 or so salvations and probably eight of them were people that we were praying for by name that we just were like, God, put them on our heart. We're going to pray for them by name. And which how cool is God that he weaves in stuff like just as we're today. I love that of just like, you know, whether it's somebody's salvation or whether just God's putting people on your heart, like where can you just like really intercede for people in your life or even just a situation or you see people around you, a family member that's maybe going through something difficult of just, you know, God, I'm just going to say yes in this small way of just like really interceding here and really just praying and covering them in prayer, believing that like you're going to show up and break through in this area or this person's going to come to know you or you're just going to open doors in this area. And so I just would really encourage you and, you know, first John, it says first John five fourteen it says, this is the confidence that we have in a approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and he answers us. And so I just, I love that we can come confidently before our father and really contend for people in our lives, salvations. You know, if someone's been family members that you're like, it just, I really want to see them come to faith. Like I just challenge you start praying for them and just watch God totally move in big ways. And so I think for us too, like we said, this big yes to God by moving our family into missions, but it was also a lot of really small yeses along the way. And for me too, God was just teaching me again of like just this simple obedience of saying yes and entering into kind of what he's already doing. Like we get to just have so much blessing in that when we get to just partner um, with what God's doing. Good stuff.
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so uh, Kevin just asked that I would share a little bit of the religious makeup. So, definitely, it was uh, predominantly Muslim culture. Uh, so, Albania. Most of you might not know where Albania is on a map. We surely didn't about a year ago. So, we we looked it up. Uh, it's if you know where Italy is, and Italy is in the shape of a boot. You take the heel, the tip of the heel of Italy, and you go just straight east across. The Adriatic Sea, that's where it is. So it's just north of Greece. Uh, it's in uh, the West Balkans in Europe. And uh, it's a, a culture that's actually been kind of taken over by Muslim culture. Um, they were taken over by the Ottoman Empire at one point. Um, but they have a rich Christian heritage, actually really incredible. Uh, Paul has uh, said in the New Testament he's preached as far as Illyria, which Albania is like greater Illyria. And uh, it's part of that area. That he went to their national war hero actually held off the Ottomans for like 20 plus days, uh, which is incredible because he was outnumbered like 10 to 1 and he did it in the name of Christ. So he, you know, and he, they're actually credited with preventing the Ottomans from going further west into Europe and taking over even more. But they have a lot of influence from Italy, Greece. Say that. Oh, Mother Teresa. Yeah, we talked about this a lot. Mother Teresa is actually from Albania. Um, and she came up, she was born there. Um, she actually, uh, that was all during communism as well, uh, that she left that, that country and went and, you know, ended up, uh, with this incredible legacy. So they have a big fondness and, uh, for Mother Teresa. And they actually have a fondness for many of these, uh, Christian leaders. There's even, um, a little bit of a Catholic and Greek Orthodox presence in Albania. However, it's really just predominantly Muslim culture. And it's, you know, culturally Muslim more so, but it's still a really difficult thing to say yes to Jesus because that decision requires stepping away from whatever my parents have taught me, what my parents find acceptable from what the cultural norms are and stepping into something that might seem a little bit crazy, might seem different. It's countercultural um, to talk about Jesus and, and they really have a fondness for the West. We had just great opportunities just being Americans actually in Albania. It's one of the more pro-American countries in all of Europe, which is wild to me, but it's like, wow, God, you really planned this, right? Like you are so detailed in, in where you send us. So I want to share a little bit about this story. So Lexi had mentioned, you know, we had this incredible opportunity. I found this uh, young man. We did a lot of college ministry and street evangelism. Uh, this young man that you see on the left, his name's Reddy. Um, he, he just, he's like, oh, just call me Red. You know, some of the Al Albanian names are a little bit tongue twisters for us Americans, but it works opposite ways. They couldn't say Rafferty hardly at all. So it was kind of funny how that worked, but ready, uh, young man, super incredibly gifted artistically, like, uh, has big plans, really wants to leave the country though. Like many, uh, young adults there, there's this just culture of escapism, a little bit of a stronghold in that nation, even though it's a beautiful, beautiful country and there's such a rich inheritance there. So ready, we met on the bus, uh, and it was just incredible because, you know, as we talk about saying yes to God, so oftentimes I can talk myself out of saying yes to God or yes to an opportunity that comes up. So often I find, oh, you know, I've got the kids. Oh, it's not a good time. You know, uh, I actually met Reddy on the bus. I had Rafferty in my backpack, so like a little hiking backpack. We just had a long day out of street evangelism. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I could talk to this guy. He started asking me questions, or I could just like, ah, yeah, hi, and just leave it at that. But we ended up having this incredible conversation. I was just like, okay, God, like you're doing something here. Had this incredible conversation started with sports, which, you know, I just have a big fondness for sports, especially teaching it in the nations, teaching it to young people. And it just led to this incredible like discussion. And he's like, why are you here? And 
oh, you know, teaching people about Jesus and trying to, you know, share the love of God. You know, I believe in Jesus and I also, you know, trying to get some sports stuff. I want to play some sports with people while I'm here. And he's like, I love football. Do you love football? He's talking about soccer. I'm like, yeah, I love football. And so, but he's like, do you want to get coffee? I'm like, yeah, I want to get coffee. Let's get coffee. And that's like part of what we were doing. So we go the next day and I just felt like that conversation was so anointed. It wasn't necessarily my words, but it was absolutely the Holy Spirit just weaving that conversation together, weaving the intricate details together to where this young man, you know, has had so many things happen in life for us to have this what could be a chance encounter, but it's not a chance encounter. It's God's design. And he ended up accepting Jesus that day in the packed coffee shop, uh, just fought, walked him through uh, just this prayer. And he's been in co- constant contact with me since. Um, our hope is just to continue doing the Great Commission, which it says at the end of Matthew is go, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go forth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. And no, that's what Jesus commands us, the Great Commission. And so we're hopeful that, you know, Reddy and some of these other young men and women that we got to lead to Jesus will actually make that decision into baptism, which is a big deal. That hasn't really happened in Albania with believers' baptism before. So we are going back to help help with that. There's a handful of young men and women that are already saying, yes, I want to do that. So we're really excited about that opportunity. Um, and then one other man that you see here, on the right. You see me with him. Uh, this young man, his name's Indridi. Uh, he spent years, he actually left the country as a young teenager to go find opportunities and jobs. I think he ended up getting mixed in a little bit with the wrong crowd. He went to another country to do that. And um, he came back for a very short time in Albania. And so we just, with our team, you know, we made a little bit of relationship with him. He was friends with the barber next to this little shop that we were doing ministry at. And he just stuck around. Like he actually came and hung out on a day trip with us and, you know, was like, okay, you know, and didn't come back for a while. And so we started praying for him by name and it was incredible because he shows up that week to a ministry night and we end up doing, uh, these small group things. We did a little gospel teaching and got to lay hands on him and pray for him. And, you know, here at Thrive, we have such a big emphasis on just how important the Holy Spirit is, right? Like we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit matters and the Holy Spirit shows up. And so just by laying hands on him and saying just a prayer, Calm, Holy Spirit, calm, just fill and dready. You could see visibly on his face that something was happening. And so I even just asked him after we said this prayer and we're in this little small group. I'm like, so what are you feeling, man? Like, what's going on? And he's like, I, I just feel this energy. Like this, and like he doesn't know how to put it, right? And I just got to explain to him, like, Dude, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in the room. And, you know, I felt it before. You know, I just kind of explained some of my testimony. And it was so cool because he, he believed it. He knew it. And he felt it. He couldn't deny the feeling that he had. And so he had this fresh revelation of God. Uh, we were able to lead him to Jesus that night. So walked him through again, another prayer. And we had over, uh, 10, uh, we had 10 salvations just very similar to that, where they were these incredible encounters where the Holy Spirit showed up. Uh, we gave out, uh, dozens of Bibles uh, in Albanian throughout the country. So we were doing a lot of street evangelism. And these testimonies were just so powerful. Um, God wasn't done with him because he came back the next week and was just like, I want to come back. Obviously, that was huge. I have questions. You know, I'm still curious on what's happening. And we just, I had a word for him when we were in prayer again. And that word just hit. It was just one of those things that the Holy Spirit gave me just a picture. I had a picture of him playing like soccer outside a schoolhouse that was painted yellow. And 
I just was like, you know, I just feel like God's just always been with you, man. Like you didn't know it, but he's always been with you. And he, again, just that same look of like befuddlement. He was just like, I went, when I was in school growing up, it was a yellow schoolhouse. I played soccer on that wall every day. And he's like, and I saw this picture when you were telling me this of an angel that was trying to speak to me. And I'm like, dude, like the, the God is after you. And so I'm even feeling it now. It's just, it's exciting stuff, right? Like it's this fresh revelation of God that, you know, for us and as a family, you know, again, it's been small yeses, right? Like it's always been like, God's not normally like asking us to say yes when it's super convenient. It's like, oh man, I've got to give something up to say yes. And sometimes it's little, sometimes it's just, ah, do I have the energy right now? We just spent all day at the mall walking around with the kids, you know, and sometimes it's big, you know, like he's just continued to add, right? Like, and that's where I find that God just shows up the most is in those moments. It's just a simple yes to God. It's that surrender of, okay, God, your will is better than my will. And that's where we've come to. So we've just seen some incredible stuff. Uh, All right. You want to share real quick? Yeah. Just really quick. This picture too, of the four guys, the two on the end are the husbands um, of the families that we're joining. So we're going to be joining their team. So um, yeah, this was just a really cool picture too because Jonathan and the two of them got to lead him to Jesus. So that's the team we're joining. (laughs) Yeah, so really cool. It's two young families. So they're both married. They've got uh, young kids, which has been such a blessing for us to just plug into what they're already doing. Um, You know, for our kids too, it was great to just see other families in ministry, I think, doing this stuff overseas. And we got to just be so blessed by so many just great contacts there from from America, from Norway, and from abroad. But I have one uh, just scripture verse I wanted to share to you. And this is in Mark 14. And it's when Jesus is anointed at Bethany. And um, there's the woman and she has this jar, this alabaster jar of pure nard. And it's a year's worth of wages, a year's worth of wages that she breaks open and pours it over Jesus in just this incredible act of worship. It's an incredible act of worship. And even the disciples were just like, they were indignant, right? It says they were indignant. It's year's wages. We could have spent this on the poor, but there's just something special about saying yes to God and giving that sacrifice on this side of greatness, on this side of eternity, right? It's the only time that we'll have that conflict where Jesus isn't just there with us reigning, right? It's like we have to step out in faith to say that. Yes. Yeah. So he says, Jesus says in verse six, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor will always be with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. Like that is powerful. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. And then he says, truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This woman had a fresh revelation of who Jesus was. She had a fresh revelation of just how worthy Jesus was. The disciples didn't even understand it. They couldn't figure it out. And they'd been with him for three years right up until his death. And this is what we're just inviting you guys to in your everyday life. is just that simple yes to God. So this is, we've just seen so much fruit from it, guys. And we're just so delighted to be sharing with this. Um, we are going to join this team long-term. I know we're wrapping up too. Um, we're praying to raise support, right? Obviously what we do, um, we're going and representing Thrive, representing this church in the nations. We're uh, just praying that, that there would be that support there. And so we're asking uh, for $5,000 of monthly support through continuous donations to cover our monthly expenses. It's going to be a big ask. We are just praying 
praying in faith that God will provide that because, you know, the nations are worthy, right? That command of go and make disciples of all nations is important. So we are super thankful just for the people here who have already been supporting us financially. We, we so appreciate the prayers, obviously, you know, ready, you know, that was so full of prayer. I knew my family was praying for me, but I knew my friends back here at thrive and in, in the States that you guys were praying for us too. And so, uh, if you feel God leading us to join, uh, in that ministry that we're doing, in Albania, uh, we have a code that you can scan, so we'll have that up as well. Um, and it takes you to our website. We have a blog. So sem- so many of you have said, hey, we've followed the blog. We've been praying for you. So um, we have cards, too, if you want to come see us afterwards. We can share that with you uh, so that you guys have it. But we thank you guys. Yeah, so we would love daily sponsors, and so that would be a $165 commitment um, just once a month. And then our hope and our joy would be that we would partner together, and like this says, um, a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And just we want to um, just partner in refreshing each other. We would ask that you pray for us on your day each month, and then in turn we'd be praying and contending um, for you. And so our heart is really just to have a group of people who are championing us, that we're also praying for. And then, of course, if that's not something you can commit to, any amount that's reoccurring is so wonderful and blesses us just so immensely. And if that's not anything, then, of course, just any amount. Um, if you can give a one-time gift, we are going to be um, for travel costs. And also, we're going to be raising a money um, eventually to purchase a vehicle. Um, and so, um, yeah, just anything is just such a blessing and just really goes towards our ministry and kind of what we're doing. So we're just so grateful, um, and we just love all the promises that God has in the Bible about generosity and just that, you know, God loves a cheerful giver and that will be enriched in every way and that those who are generous, your children will be blessed and you'll lack nothing and just so many promises of generosity. And so um, we just love you guys and are so grateful for just the generosity, not just only in finances, but just of your time in prayer and just your time in following our journey and reading and just really encouraging us, I mean, to come back um, after being gone in a way and to really step into so many of you just pouring out your love and support of just us and our family um, has just meant so much. And so we have just been so blessed this week to be back at Thrive and to just be hugged on and loved on and prayed over and given words. And so you guys are really the best church. We just love you guys so much. (laughs) Thank you. All right, hang hang tight. Let me let me pray over you guys. All right, let's pray over these guys. Um, they did an amazing thing. Whoa, here we go. <laughs> Hear the sk- the scampering of little feet. Um, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, the Barth family and for the way that they have stepped out of. Um, just this this regular life that that so many of us are are living and into a, a great calling uh, and into the mission field and into uh, foreign lands for you and for your glory for the salvation of your people or we are just in awe of um, you and their obedience and we thank you that we get to um, to go with them, to send them, to be prayerful, to uh, support them in every way that we can, but just to be family, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we are a sending church. We are a church that is on mission to seek and save the lost. And so, Lord, I pray for your blessing. I pray for your care. I pray for your provision and your protection and great fruitfulness, Lord, um, over and in and through the Barth family, Lord. 
So we love you and we love them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Will you give that to Molly for me? Thanks. All right. Um, I know that you are looking at me with my papers going, oh no, he's going to preach a sermon. Uh, I'm not going to do that, but I did want to, um, I wanted to conclude with a short um, devotional. I want to just kind of segue, and I want to kind of set our hearts back towards um, Lent and towards this Easter season, if you you probably are aware that we are kind of right on the uh, the top of the hill, we're nearly to the midway point of Lent, and um, I'll you know Molly and I this past week we had our neighborhood Bible study. We have a, a Bible study with uh, just a group of people that live around us, and uh, it's one of my absolute favorite things because the people that come to this group come from all walks of life. They come from just a whole variety of uh, either faith backgrounds or no faith background. Uh, primarily, though, they are either ex-Catholics or current Catholics. Um, and so this Thursday we met, and I, I just have been feeling the value and also a burden of Lent uh, on my heart. And so I said to, to our group, I said, hey, you guys, what is your, uh, what's your Lent practice? You know, what is your Lenten practice? What do you do? You know, what have you learned? And they Basically, um, most of them said, well, um, you know, growing up, we were taught to to uh, not eat meat, uh, to just do some sort of a fast, particularly on Fridays, so we would eat fish or something like that. And that was, that was mostly what they reported. And then I said, well, why? Why do you do that? And they said, well, um, I guess because we were told to. And um, that was pretty much everyone's answer. One person said, well, I do it because I want to get the guilt off of me. And, and so that was the why of Lent for them. They were told to do it by somebody, and they were trying to get some of the guilt off of their shoulders. And uh, some of you guys know that I have a Catholic background myself, and when I ended up leaving um, Catholicism, uh, and it was you know through no fault of the Catholic Church, this is an indictment of the Catholic Church, but I, I decided that I wasn't coming back again, and I really didn't have any interest in going to church at all, and so I left sort of doing all the different practices because they didn't seem to be relevant to me. But even when I came back to faith and I fell in love with the Lord and I began to live for him with all of my life, I still just did not do anything with Lent at all because I just was like, no one is the boss of me. I don't have to do this. This isn't like in the Bible or something like that. And so I just didn't practice Lent in any way, shape or form for a really, really long time. And then at some point along the line, I began to realize that in my newfound freedom, my expression of being my own boss, um, I began to realize that I had completely thrown out the, the, you know, the baby with the bathwater and that I was missing out on an opportunity to truly experience God in a really, really powerful, meaningful way in this season. And not only that, but in ignoring Lent, I believe personally for myself, this is my own conviction, that I was actually cheating Jesus out of appreciation, out of adoration, out of understanding and worship that really he deserved, that had been lying dormant in my heart. I had just sort of ignored all of that. 
And I know that, you know, you guys know we're in the halfway point of Lent and we here in the vineyard, this vineyard church that you're a part of, we do not have an established practice around Lent. But I believe that we would be blessed if we took time to to sink our, our hearts into this season. I believe Jesus would too. And so I have a phrase that I, I, I want to share with you that I hope will help um, sort of encapsulate what it is that we are doing in uh, this season of Lent. And and it's it's somewhat borrowed, and I'll share it with you. So the phrase will be up here. Uh, but the phrase is this, that during this time of Lent, is it coming? Um, we are sitting, here's the, here's the phrase, we're sitting with our bright sadness. We are sitting, and each of those words is important, during this time of Lent, we are sitting with our bright sadness. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, um, in the Orthodox Church, the Orthodox Church very often would refer to the season of Lent as the season of bright sadness. And there's something about that that has really captured my heart, because what is it that we're invited to do? We're invited to focus on the awful, awful suffering and crucifixion of Jesus on our behalf, and at the same time, we are to focus and we get to focus on the triumph and the beauty and the hope of the cross. So we we reflect on and we look at both of those things very, very deeply. And so Lent invites us to think about Jesus' suffering, like very literally to think about his arrest, his being mocked, his being scourged until the flesh was torn from his bones. We think about Jesus feebly carrying the cross to Golgotha. We think about the nails being driven through his hands and his death. And though when we really focus on it, when we really look at it, when we really sit with it, it can be uncomfortable to just sit with it, to just see that, right? To let his suffering sink into us, into our pores. What we often want to do is we want to like brush it off. We want to brush it away like a, a crumb or something like that because that's what we normally do, church, with things that are ugly, with things that are painful. Nobody wants to look at a painful thing. And you know what's even worse is that nobody wants to square up to pain that we have caused, have you ever noticed that, that when we are the cause of pain, the last thing that we want to do is own that. The last thing that we want to do is, is just immerse ourselves in that. No, what we try to do is you try to get that responsibility off of us. We try to, to say, no, 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 that's not, that's, that wasn't me. But in this season of Lent, we are invited to focus on the pain that Jesus experienced because it was pain that we caused he carried our pain upon himself. And so in this bright, sad season, we sit with the suffering of Jesus and we let it touch our hearts and not just our minds, you guys, because I don't know about you, but I can live up here for a really long time, even in faith. But Lent calls us to allow um, the, 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 the suffering of Christ and the reality of the cross to touch and penetrate our hearts. And so in the season of bright sadness, we focus on his suffering. But at the same time, we also pause our crazy schedule, right? The busyness. All of us are busy. We're all doing stuff. And we, we pause that, not only to focus on Jesus' suffering, but we actually pause to focus on our own suffering. We pause to reflect on our own lives and the ways that we have felt discouraged, the ways that we have you know, encountered sickness or discouragement or isolation or uh, depression or struggle with sin. 
This is the season where we focus on that. And um, I have a picture up here, I think, of whack-a-mole. Do you guys remember whack-a-mole? Do you know this thing? Right? Big mallet, mole comes up, you whack it on the head. I think that that's generally how we treat our pain. It's how we treat our sadness. Before it comes up, we try to whack it on the head and tamp it down so that we don't have to feel it, so we don't have to experience it, so that we can just ignore our pain. But in this season of bright sadness, we reflect on the areas of our lives that make us sad, the personal areas that we have of grief and pain. And rather rather than banging it down with our go-to mallets, which would be uh, working harder or eating or exercising or shopping or getting on our phones... We face our pain, and they say that we just look at it and we simply sigh. We just sit with it and we reflect on it. And in this time of seeing the pain of Jesus, in this time of seeing uh, our own pain, the cross becomes this sad and beautiful and wonderful thing to us. The cross becomes precious to us. This is the season of bright sadness. But we don't only focus on the sad part. We focus on the bright part. We focus on the fact that when uh, Mary came to take care of Jesus' body, when she came back, the stone had been rolled away and the linens were laying there, you know, on the bench there because he had risen. In this season of bright sadness, we focus on the hope that Jesus has won for us because he triumphed over all of our brokenness. He triumphed over all of our sin, all of our sickness. He triumphed over an eternal future without God. And we get to live in a place of hope. We get to live in moments of joy in this world. And of course, it's not all hope, it's not all joy, and it's not all brokenness. And Paul wrote this, and he he expressed this condition that we live in so powerfully, you guys, when he said this in 2 Corinthians. He said this, For God... For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, God made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now listen, but we, you and I, we have this treasure, the treasure of the resurrected Christ, the treasure of the glory of Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay. That's us to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side. Do you ever feel hard-pressed on every side? Do you ever feel pressure in this world? We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, church. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Here it is. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the light of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Light shining out of darkness. That is all of us. And in our lives, we carry both the light and the glory of Christ, and we carry some darkness, and we carry some hurt and some disappointment. But we also carry hope. Lots of hope, actually. And so, um, as we wrap up our service, I just want to invite you to do what, man, so many people before you have done in this season of preparing for for Easter. And I want to encourage you to fast. And what I mean by that is, I want to encourage you to clear space in your life so that you can sit with your bright sadness so that you can sit 
with your participation in the suffering of Christ so that you can sit and reflect on your own pain, your own sadness, your own discouragement in the presence of the Holy Spirit, in the presence of Jesus, and so that you can sit and you can reflect on the glory and the power and the amazing finished work of the resurrected Christ that is at work in your life because you are made new. Behold, I have made all things new. So sit a while. Take some time and reflect, church, on this, this bright sadness that we live in in this season. Amen?